0: Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome to Radio Islam. I'm your host, Tariq el and we're broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming at WCEV1450.com. Now, if you're new to the Radio Islam family, welcome. Keep up with us by following and liking our pages on social media. You will find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Look for us at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. All right. Um... Folks, this is a uh, an extremely um, interesting time, and, and actually a wonderful time, I think. I think a lot of folks are still uh, getting over the midterm elections, and now we're looking down the road uh, at what's next. And for those of you who are in the Chicagoland area, that means the mayoral election, uh, and we've got a pretty... Crowded feel. So that means that we've got to do our homework. We've got to talk to folks and find out what makes one stand out from the other. So I am pleased uh, to be able to uh, have one of those candidates on the phone with us today, uh, mayoral candidate. Lori Lightfoot. Uh, She is a former assistant United States attorney, former chief of staff and general counsel of the Chicago Office of Emergency Management and Communications, former first deputy of the Chicago Department of Procurement Services, former president of the Chicago Police Board. And I could go on and on and you get it that Chicago is very deep, uh, is a very big part of Lori Lightfoot. So we welcome you to Radio Islam, Lori.
1: It's my pleasure to be with you. Yeah,
0: so as I was saying, For our Chicago listeners in particular, right, because we have such a crowded field, um, it really is important for voters to be able to make distinctions between one candidate and the next. So you all might agree on certain issues, but your positions on what some may look at as sensitive issues, such as um, an elected school board, police accountability, economic development, all these things uh, are going to carry a lot of weight as folks go to the polls. So I'd like to first start out with, um, do you
1: consider or do you support an elected school board? I do support an elected school board. Um, And my reason for that is my mother actually served on an elected school board in the town that I grew up in. I know from uh, her interactions with uh, people in our community, whether they were calling during dinner time, stopping by the house, talking to her um, at the grocery store, how important it is to really have a parent advocate at the table when critical decisions are being made about education policy. Uh, My mother really served as a voice, particularly for um, African-American families in our town, um, dealing with a range of issues that made sure that they had a seat at the table and they had a real voice. So that is the reason why I support an elected school board. I want to see us create an opportunity, just like I experienced uh, watching my mother, where parents have a real opportunity uh, to weigh in on important issues about the education of their children
0: right and i know at one point the issue was under the current administration um when it was brought up uh, and it's been brought it's been broached i think twice one within the illinois general general assembly um it didn't make it to the senate floor uh and also um as a part of a referendum i think in uh, in 2016 um but the response was well because we have local school councils that that would suffice um so it's that's uh, uh, interesting not just interesting. I think it's good because I don't. I don't have to be impartial. I can say you know I'm also for an elected school board. So uh, I think that's 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 really great to hear. Um, and let me ask you about your thoughts on investment, uh, Chicago South and West Side. And we, we've seen uh, Chicago. I think has about at least 60 tower cranes up right now. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a lot of work, a lot of uh, investment going on. There are a lot of jobs uh, that have been created uh, from those construction projects. But when it comes to the South and particularly if we talk about the west side, it's been an area that has uh, really been very much uh, kind of hands off. Uh, there's, there's been some sporadic stuff, but not really a targeted um, effort. It, do, it doesn't right. seem to be that way. So could, could you talk a bit about that?
1: Well, sure, I've been talking from the very beginning of this campaign about the absolute necessity of uplifting the quality of life in our neighborhoods. And frankly, a big reason that I got into this campaign is I saw this disparity um, in investment that really created a class of haves and have-nots, and that the distance between those two groups was growing under the practices and policies of this current administration. So it's critically important that we have a reset We obviously need to continue attracting businesses um, to our city all over the city, but we can't ignore our neighborhoods who are literally starving for resources. I spent a lot of time traveling all over the city, and particularly on the south and the west sides, and what you just described, which is the absence of economic uh, development, the absence of good-paying jobs that pay a living wage, That's a huge problem, and Mm -hmm. it's all part of the same ecosystem that's bringing us um, this unprecedented levels of violence across the city. If people don't have hope and they don't have the opportunity for a decent, well-paying job, we're going to see the violence continue because we have neighborhood after neighborhood where the largest employer is illegal drug trade. Mm -hmm. And so we're only going to be able to get a handle on these most vexing problems when we invest in our neighborhoods. And that means economic development, uh, uh, really rebuilding our small business core, making sure that we've got uh, uh, job training that leads to real jobs with wraparound services to help our folks who really don't have a history of work. Uh, It means that we've got to deal with the food, the pharmacy, and the medical deserts that are plaguing way too many of these communities. Mm -hmm. So we've got to have a Marshall Plan for our neighborhoods that are desperately in need of help.
0: Right, right. Uh, do you think that there is um, that there is a, a sense of corporate apathy or private investment apathy when it comes to these particular neighborhoods uh, where, you know, they, they just have remained overlooked because they're just no, it's I, not an attachment? No, I
1: think the, I think the thing that's been lacking, frankly, is a leader that has vision. Look, I grew up uh, in a family where we struggled. Mm. We lived in a working class neighborhood and I go back to that same neighborhood now and I see the effects of the lack of investment. So these are issues that are very personal to me. Mm -hmm. What I think our business community needs, because many of them are trying to and are good corporate citizens, they're putting their dollars into the neighborhoods where they are a part of, They're, they're helping support and uplift various charities, but we need focus and we need a leader who can direct those resources to the areas of the city that are most in need. That's what I think. Is
0: lacking. Mm, that that has to start with the leadership, with that being a, a part of the a main part of the agenda. Okay. I got you. I got you. Um, and I know Chicago has uh, it has commanded uh, the spotlight in its own uh, on its own, and not for sometimes not for the reasons we it to. Yeah. Um, uh, and with the uh, recent verdict uh, against the. Uh, against a uh, former police officer chicago police officer jason van dyke uh, and the laquan mcdonald uh, murder um it of course some folks were looking for first degree and they were not you know they said okay well we got the second degree conviction um but even beyond that what's next in terms of changing the culture and addressing um mm-hmm. addressing a reality that says that this is not expected to be the last laquan mcdonald that if we wait long enough, as things, with things as they are, we shouldn't be surprised if we see another. So, what, what are your thoughts on policing uh, and violence in Chicago and, and, and your leadership being a part of helping to change the, the culture?
1: Well, look, I've been out front on these issues for a number of years, and frankly, I'm the only candidate in the race or, or who will get in that really has the bandwidth from a number of different perspectives to take on and change the culture within the police department but more importantly to make our neighborhood safe. Mm-hmm. I'm a former federal prosecutor. I worked in the police department investigating police misconduct. I led the police accountability task force in the wake of the release of the video showing the murder of Laquan McDonald. Um, And I served on the Chicago Police Board, where we held officers who engaged in misconduct uh, accountable. Mm -hmm. So I have a range of experiences that set me apart um, from other uh, mayoral candidates. But look, I think we've got to keep doing the hard work. My task force issued... A very specific roadmap that was followed by the Obama Department of Justice roadmap for change. Uh, The consent decree is going to be um, put into place before the end of the year. Mm -hmm. So there's work that needs to be done. But even outside of that, we've got to keep working hard to make sure that our officers are well-trained, that they're engaging in constitutional policing, and that we continue to do everything possible to bridge the gap between the communities and the police. Where it's got to start, and I issued a comprehensive public safety plan, We've got to have city resources focused on bringing down the violence. Now that seems like an odd thing to say, but let me tell you why I say that. We do not have in the city a mayor's office for public safety. That's why I've recommended that we have to stand that up. Right now, we only have two people that are on the mayor's staff that are focused full time on the wide array of public safety needs that go beyond the police department and include the fire department, um, natural and man-made disasters, 911 center. So we have to make sure that we are doing more there. And if we compare those two full-time people with New York and L.A., New York has 50 uh, full-time people and L.A. has 30. So we are not putting our money where our mouth is when we talk about really getting a handle on public safety and making sure that public safety is not just a commodity for the, the wealthy and the well-connected, right. that every citizen has a basic right to be safe. And we've got to operate city government with that priority in mind, and that's what we'll do in a Lightfoot administration.
0: Mm. Mm. Okay. So um, when it comes to, it, of course, this relates back to uh, the uh, previous question, question which is the economic development, uh, because we know, I think there yeah. was a survey and this might be a couple of years ago, but I don't think the numbers that would have changed much. And that was that it was about 50 percent of African-American males, high school aged, uh, high school to college age range uh, were unemployed uh, yep. and not in not in school. Right. Uh, so that being a large part of that demographic that gets caught up in the criminal justice system, gets caught up in uh, illegal in, in employment. Uh, so, yeah, so th- these things definitely run hand in hand.
1: They, they do indeed. They are, they are all part of the, the same ecosystem and if we want to really get a handle on um, making sure that we are, have the real infrastructure for growth and prosperity in our neighborhoods, if we want to get a handle on the violence, all of these issues have to be uh, addressed simultaneously. We can't continue to do piecemeal or believe that if we just invest in the downtown area that that rising tide is going to lift all boats because we have evidence on a daily basis that that's not true. When we have neighborhoods in this time of technically full employment that still have unemployment of 25% or higher, and that doesn't include the people who just stopped looking for work. or When we think about the fact that 40% of African-American children in the city live in poverty, 40%. We're doing something wrong, and we've got to change course. That's why change is going to be so essential um, in this next election. We can't get change and make the progress that we need to take on these very tough but necessary problems if we keep electing the same old, same old. And frankly, people have either been silent or been complicit in exacerbating the problems that we're experiencing. Mm.
0: Now, one thing I I think, I think most folks, uh, particularly those in the in the inner city, um, are aware of the problem. They're aware of the issues, and where we want government to be, our city government to be responsive. Uh, Mm -hmm. In addressing those concerns, we also we will voice a concern, but we don't necessarily want to talk about the price or the cost that's associated with providing those services or providing those resources. Uh, And quite I should yeah, I could say quite often when it comes to raising um, uh, finances, uh, it it seems that it's been done in a punitive measure where, uh, you know, is you get two tickets on your car and then your car is gone, then you got to yeah. go pay money for somebody to store it and all that kind of stuff. Um, is there a way for us to be to 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 provide those funds, but not to do it in the manner that has been you know that we become accustomed yeah. to?
1: Well, we ha- we have to, right? Mm-hmm. What you're talking about is <clears throat> regressive taxes, levies, and fees that place the burden disproportionately on. The people who are least able to shoulder it. Absolutely. And, there's, and, and you've alluded to um, studies, for example, about the, the city's ticketing policy that disproportionately affects African Americans and has been driving people into bankruptcy. When I read those studies, I think that's an absurdity that has to change. Mm-hmm. But let me let me also kind of push back a bit on one of your premises. Sure. Poverty is not cheap. Mm-hmm. We are paying the cost of our neglect every single day. We're seeing that in mental health. Um, it, it manifests itself in the jails because the, the Cook County Jail has become the largest mental health provider maybe in the in the country, but certainly in our state, because we don't have good community-based uh, mental health services um, and people who are suffering are ending up in Cook County Jail. So I could go on and on and on, but the point is that those monies are being spent now. Mm-hmm. They are being taxed um, on the, they're being a burden on the taxpayers. What I'm talking about is actually investing on the, what I'll call the front end of life in a much more affirming and positive way so that we get much more of a return on our investment and we uplift the quality of life in our neighborhoods and we support our people mm-hmm. in a very, very profoundly different way.
0: Mm. Okay. Now, Chicago is often uh, known as a city of neighborhoods, and some folks uh, give that that as that a wink to segregation. Um, mm. but, but we also know that there's a lot of beauty in the diversity that we have here in Chicago. Indeed. And a part of that beauty um, is seen in its faith uh, communities. So I'd like to hear your thoughts on um, partnership with the diverse uh, faith communities that we have and the role that they play in a, uh, in a Lightfoot administration.
1: Sure, well, I, I am a person of faith. I was raised in the church. My parents uh, were stalwarts in our local church, as was I. And I believe that it's critically important that our children, frankly, have real values that come from uh, faith and religion, um, and also the sense of community that faith communities really provide um, to their, their people. And throughout our city, we have a network of very diverse uh, faith that we have to have engaged and involved in helping address and solve some of these problems. So I can tell you, um, in a Lightfoot administration, the faith community will be very prominent um, I will seek, in informal and informal ways, uh, the advice and counsel of faith leaders who also believe, like I do, that we have a responsibility to be our brother's keeper and move forward together. And I frankly think there's a lot more opportunities for that to happen. But I've been, um, in the course of this campaign, and just because of this is who I am, reaching out to faith leaders all over the city who are very diverse in ideology, um, but really have a common sense that we must be move forward together, we've gotta to do it in an ecumen- ecumenical way, mm-hmm. and that faith leaders frankly have to step up in different and more profound ways than maybe they um, have historically. But this is one of the important fibers and spines of our city is the faith community, and we've gotta look at ways in which we can keep that conversation going and really build other opportunities for coalitions and community.
0: Mm. Okay, well, that's one of the things I definitely feel um, personally very strongly about. This idea of um, bringing that diversity together, you know, for the collective good. Uh, so I think that's going to be something that we will definitely uh, be looking to see, and, and hopefully that's going to that's going to come about. So um, I appreciate your your sentiments on that. Uh, well,
1: you and you've been you've been great at making that point in public forum after public forum and also on your show how incredibly important it is for us to find what unites us um, and not focus on what what divides us and the differences yes and particularly frankly in this time uh, that we've seen it over the last month where there's a lot of hate speech being mm-hmm. manifest in physical threats and harms uh, to people it's even more incumbent upon us to really uh, rely upon our faith um, and make sure that we are loving each other, we can, we can express our differences, but we have to do it in a way that doesn't do harm and destruction.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I've got one more question for you, Lori. Um, and that is with regard to, um, Chicago's position as a sanctuary city. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's an, it's an important issue, not only for It's one of those issues that, of course, we find that uh, we find an intersection, uh, not just with religion and ethnicity. Um, It doesn't matter. There's so many different factors that that come in. But we find ourselves uh, with the the Muslim population in particular, uh, that that is one of the concerns that has, you know, that that's on the table Uh, and not necessarily just from Syria, not from, you know, from uh, Palestine. But, you know, we have folks that are uh, looking at Chicago as a sanctuary city who are coming from. Uh, from from uh, from central not central but central, uh, African uh, countries Nigeria yeah. and you know and, and um, Ghana and so on so what what are your what are your thoughts on on, on Chicago's position um, as a sanctuary city
1: well we have to we have to make sure that our city is a place of peace mm-hmm. a place of welcome and a place of support for all our diverse racial ethnic and religious, Um, minorities in particular who are coming to the city um, to find a place where they can live a better life. That's, to me, the fundamental essence of what the sanctuary city means, Um, and we've got to make sure that we keep perpetuating that reality in all of our city policies. Look, this is very deeply personal to me. Mm -hmm. I'm an African-American woman in this this world, and I'm very mindful of the history that African-Americans have had in this city and in this country. Um, so when I think about that history, I can only, in my mind, be supportive of making sure that other people have the promise and the reality of the rights that this country um, has, has struggled with but continues to hold dear, whether it's finding a place uh, where people can get decent paying jobs and not, not be exploited by employers, whether it's making sure that people have access to good quality and affordable care. and frankly, and in, more relevant um, in this, this on this question is making sure that we don't allow the federal government to use law enforcement in a partisan, harmful way to terrorize communities. That can't happen in our city. Right. And as mayor, I can assure you that I will be standing tall to make sure that we're doing everything that we, we can to support our diverse and immigrant communities, just as I've done. I've done a lot of work in supporting the National Immigrant Justice Center. Um, making sure that they've got the resources they need to be successful in helping people navigate our often very Byzantine uh, immigration court system. Mm-hmm. But there's more that the city can do. But it starts with making sure that we are unequivocal in speaking our values, that this city will support and welcome immigrants of all stripes into our city who want the same things that we do, which is a good quality life for themselves, their their children, and their family.
0: Mm. Well, Um, Radio Ston family, we've been talking with Lori Lightfoot, mayoral candidate for the city of Chicago. Uh, You can keep up with her. I'm going to segue over to you. And uh, uh, Lori, where can folks keep up with you uh, and get more information about your campaign as time moves on?
1: Well, we're very active on our website, which is LightfootForChicago.com. People can go there to volunteer. They can find out what the latest happenings of the campaign are. Also, we're very active on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram.
0: Okay. Lori, it has been a pleasure talking to you.
1: My pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: All right. All right, Radio Islam family, it is our time to get out of here. We thank you for tuning in, and we thank our engineers over at WCEV. I'm your host and producer, Tariq Alamine. Our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid, and we remind you that the views expressed by the host and/or guests are theirs and not to be taken as a representation of Sound Vision Foundation. And now I leave you as I greeted you. Assalamu alaykum, may the peace that only God can give be upon you.